the February 1st, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown. Broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, America's newest action superhero, <laughs> Mahler, the fake news dog. I, I don't know why you're, you've given him that moniker, but all right. Did he do something during the course of the week that hit any kind of superhero powers? All right, Mahler, I get it. I know. All right, all right. That's enough. I hope that answers your question. It does, emphatically. Coming up, money laundering, Trump versus intelligence, Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the hillbilly heroin family, and more. But first, do you believe in God, Mike? You know that God thing that people uh, talk about? Uh, no. No? No. 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 Do you? Uh, well, I believe that atheists are just as stupid as theists. Okay. It's not like a big deal for me to get through life. I like to consider the fact that I there's a with God. It's, it's kind of fun. Yes. Like a parlor game. But to actually believe in it. Right. For me, belief means some sort of proof or experience. It's without right. that, right. it's just idiocy. It's like signing into a country club. Let's define our terms. Do I believe there's a guy with a gray beard lording over us, listening to everything we say? God is a beard? In the depictions in the Bible, which is supposedly the word of God, he has a beard. A vindictive narcissist is how yeah. I see the God of the Old Testament. But that's just me. However, I do believe there are powers beyond me and beyond my existence that are in some way informing the universe. Yes, I do believe informing that. Informing the universe. Yes. I'll stand by that word. How yes. about this God? She just shows up. Yes. Gets things rolling. Yeah. And then... Checks out. Checks out. Yeah. The other part of the string theory goes to another reality. How's that? Checks out. Hey, I, I don't want another reality. I'm, I'm just saying that's another the reality string reality, that's the string funny. theory reality. Yeah. All right. Some sort of All right. science fiction now, crap. I saw it on Outer Limits. That's uh, that's well. I know White House press secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders yes. apparently believes in God. I know, and that. she believes that God wanted Trump to win the 2016 election. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for yeah. this story. You know, I'm very disappointed in God, Mike. <laughs> because I, you know, of all the people yes. that he could want yes. to win the presidency, yes. I mean, there are a lot of people right. out there. Right? Right. It's not not just. You know, the candidates. No, and an all-knowing, yeah. all-powerful being or entity would choose. Would choose Donald Trump? Yeah. Out of all the people in the yeah. universe that yeah. you could make president, this has got to have been someone There's a lot else. of people running for the exits at the churches if this is the case. Yeah. Yes. Sanders also said she thinks Trump has done a tremendous job in supporting a lot of things that people of faith really care about. Now, are you a person of faith? I believe in you. Well, thank you, Mike. But uh, you know what I'm getting at here. Mm -hmm. Here we have a person of faith. <laughs> That's one of those buzzwords. Person right. of faith yes. doesn't mean really a person of faith. Right. <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with faith. It has to do with a particular kind of belief in a right. fundamentalist God structure. It also says more about the person who's saying that. Whatever they're talking about in terms of faith, it's, yeah. it basically reinforces whatever that person believes. That's all. So this is very disappointing. You know, yeah. I'm disappointed in God yeah. and people of faith. Yeah. I know that Trump has fulfilled the dreams of a lot of people who are intolerant. It also continues the streak of 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders of not ever telling the truth. She's yeah. on a roll. She's right. yeah, she's the Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, yes, she is the Joe DiMaggio of press secretaries for not telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. The Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken. Yeah, she's the Cal. She, she's on a streak that will never be broken. I think Cal Ripken is a little bit further outside. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio, you go, well, yeah. 56 yeah. game hitting yeah, Don Drysdale. Or whatever that guy she's was. The, yeah. Oral, oral. Uh, Kershizer. Kershizer. Yeah, whatever. When asked about House Speaker Nancy Pelosi calling Trump's proposed wall immoral, Sanders told the Christian Broadcasting Network, the idea that protecting the people of your country, which is a fundamental duty of being president of the United States, would in some way be immoral is a ridiculous charge. That's what she said. Well, this is so skippy. I mean, let's forget about her intent here. Yeah, yeah. But the idea of protecting the people of your country. Yeah. So Adolf Hitler wanted to protect Germany. Right. Duterte does things to protect yeah. Filipinos, like yeah. he murdered his other people yeah. Yeah. that he's afraid of. Idi Amin probably yeah. did some, <laughs> things, yeah. some things to protect And then his she people. throws in yes. that, which is the fundamental duty of being president of the United States. That's, that's thrown in there as if it applies now. We're talking about a wall here. Yeah. And I know that yeah. what Nancy is saying, yeah. Ms. Pelosi, Ms. Pelosi, is that the consequences of building the wall the $30 billion that we would eventually spend That's right. on building a structure that prevents people from physically but it does. walking across but it, the border yeah, is not going to really do any good. It's immoral to spend that kind of money on something that's just there to inflate Donald Trump's ego and appease the goons that follow him. Exactly. Yeah. And besides that, uh, did he protect us from Stormy Daniels? I think not. Uh-huh. Yeah. Scientists have detected an enormous cavity in Huckabee's brain. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any other places they might have found an enormous oh, cavity? Strike that. Oh. Scientists have detected an enormous cavity growing beneath Antarctica. A gigantic cavity is growing under West Antarctica that scientists say covers two-thirds the footprint of Manhattan and stands almost 1,000 feet tall. Wow. So that's a, a big hole in the ground. This huge opening at the bottom of the Thwaites Glacier, or what I like to call the most dangerous glacier in the world. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Mara. Yeah. It lost a Manhattan's worth of ice right. over the last three years alone. We have suspected for years that Thwaites was not tightly attached to the bedrock beneath it, says glaciologist Eric Wignall from UCI. That's oh, right here. Right here. Researchers discovered the cavity using ice-penetrating radar as part of NASA's Operation Ice Bridge. As more heat and water get under the glacier, it melts faster, and as it melts faster, more heat and water get under the glacier. Yeah. It's one of those uh, roboros, yes. you know, snake-biting-its-tail type of circular thing yes. that so many parts of global warming are. It they is, just it, feed on each other. It's this sort of feedbacks loop if this glacier thwaites were to disappear entirely the glacier could lift the ocean by two feet oh my god the thwaites glacier locks in neighboring glaciers and ice masses further inland so you got this hole oh. under the thwaites glacier which is near the ocean which is melting if that goes then all these other glaciers can go with it one of the other things about this story that is truly troubling is a comment by another scientist named Petro Milillo, who is, says, we are now discovering different mechanisms of retreat 
in other words, we're finding out more about how this is really, really dire. I said this about the stream in the North Atlantic. How do you reverse this? How do you go back to where we were 100 years ago? Well, you don't. That's the problem. And it changes everything in the climate. Right. So So all of the ports that you've developed, all of the living conditions that you've accounted for when you're building your cities, that's all up for grabs now. Places will flood that have never flooded before. Places will heat up that have never heated up before. This is the part of global climate damage that is truly frightening is these systems, how do you turn them around? And I, it's just as we were talking about, I don't think you do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And we laugh. We have to make the best of this situation. We can pretend it's not happening or we can actually start to do something about it. That's right, Mahler. Get more positive. God, here. no kidding. In Davos, Switzerland, the global economic elite, the rich corksuckers, <laughs> and their kiss ups are fearing that the world's seven decade old structure of trade and diplomacy is dying. This structure, this system of trade and diplomacy that's been going on since the end of the Second World War. And right. What we've got in place right. is dying. So, whatever replaces the system better not cause World War III. Or starve the world to death. Right. That's what we're hoping doesn't happen. This is, again, another sort of potentially positive development that the people who have the money and the resources and the political power to begin to address these very dire situations. Since Brexit and Trump, politicians, executives, and scholars who meet in Davos every year have been skittish. A little bit antsy. Many economists are forecasting a global recession. Populations may become even angrier under these added crappy conditions. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Populations. No, people. People. Human beings will get upset when the people that they were trusting to put together a a good structure, economic structure for the planet, have really botched things. Let's think about this in one small way. Okay. Republicans have been selling the American people on the idea that if we give more advantages to the richest people in our society, that they will do the right things by reinvesting in the world that we live in, a world in which is sustainable. They have been lying to you and me for as long as they've been spouting this crap. Uh, But you know what people often do, though? They elect more authoritarian-style governments because they're afraid, and that's the bad part about this. Yes, it is. People expect... In fact, the uh, skittish corksuckers at this Davos thing, they assume that Beijing will be the leader of the new order. An authoritarian regime. But then again, we don't know. I mean, maybe out of self-preservation, they will be better. Yes. Hopefully. The folk hero of Davos was Dutch journalist and historian Rutger Bregman, who told a panel of skittish rich corksuckers to pay more taxes. He was on a panel there with all these kiss-ups and corksuckers. <laughs> And he said, just stop talking philanthropy and start talking taxes. Yes. All the rest is bullshit, in my opinion, <laughs> Rutger Bregman said. I love Rutger Bregman. Yeah, that's where it should be at right now. Yes. We've condemned the word taxes to mean something bad. Yeah. Taxes are good things. Right. When I get in my car and I go down the street, I'm driving on taxes. Yes. When I'm pulling water out of the tap, I'm pulling out my taxes. When your house is not washed away every 
rain season, every yeah. storm season, you are in fact benefiting from your taxes. People have the wrong idea of taxes, and we're talking about taxing extraordinarily rich people who will have still tons and tons of money after they've been taxed. They will have more money than we can even dream yeah. of right. if they are taxed at the highest rate that we're even dreaming of. Right. The most prosperous era in American history, the era in which we were the dominant world economy, the world power, was in the 1950s into the 1960s. And rich people, the wealthiest, were being taxed at a 90% rate. Yeah, after a certain point yeah, in right, their income. Exactly. Yeah. After Donald Trump released a statement recognizing Juan Guaido, the opposition leader in Venezuela, as Venezuela's legitimate president following Nicolas Maduro's inauguration, the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo appointed Elliot Abrams, who as part of Reagan's administration, sought funding for the Contras in Nicaragua through donations from the Sultan of Brunei and illegal arms sales to Iran. Mike Pompeo appointed Elliot Abrams as special counsel to Venezuela. The crisis in Venezuela is deep and difficult and dangerous, and I can't wait to get to work on it, said Abrams. Yeah. So I, he's looking forward to, I guess, overturning the government there, like he's done before. Yes. Waving flags and chanting freedom, Venezuelans hit the streets in a peaceful demonstration against Maduro. The protesters say they've had enough of food shortages, hospitals without drugs, gross corruption, and dirty politics, especially after Maduro's re-election last year, which they believe was rigged. I'm no fan of Maduro. Let's oh, yeah. be clear. I don't think you are either. Uh -huh. He is what they said. You just said he is. He yes. is those people. Yes. Those things. Why though? Head of Venezuela's Congress has been recognized as interim president by the U.S. along with Canada, the European Union, the Organization of American States, and more than a dozen Latin American nations. But Maduro still has the backing of his international allies, including Russia and China. Mexico and Cuba are also okay with Maduro. The problem here is the way it's announced to the world. We say what we're doing on Twitter. That's how people discover this. And so it brings a sense of panic into a lot of people, and it heightens tensions. But there's a way to handle Maduro. Yeah. We don't want him in there. Right. There's got to be a way to have a good talk with Russia and China about this. Right. There must be some way that benefits us all if Maduro is gone. Right. There's an element of this, though, that is, has to do with the history of the United States. We declared the Monroe Doctrine, which said that North and South America are our territory, so get the F out. Now, that's part of this. This is a sort of a, a restating of that doctrine, although I, you can argue about the doctrine, nonetheless. But you're right. Maduro is an international embarrassment, and he is illegitimately president of yeah. Venezuela at this point. In an op-ed in the New York Times... Guaido called for global support to try and pressure Maduro's military commanders into abandoning Maduro. Maduro doubled down on state television. He went on state television with a bunch of troops cheering him on. And he said, Trump intends to turn my homeland into a Vietnam war in Latin America. Right, right. By the way, Elliot Abrams is a weasel. U.S. intelligence, big thoughts. Speaking of Elliot Abrams. Yes. U.S. intelligence big shots are sounding the alarm about Trump's ignorance. Yes. That's what they're doing. 
The heads of the entire U.S. intelligence community went before the Senate Intelligence Committee and testified that the President of the United States doesn't know dick about foreign affairs and especially knows nothing about threats to this country. Director of National Intelligence Dan Coates, speaking on behalf of the assembled intelligence big shots, gave a global tour of threats focusing mainly on Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea. Coates said that North Korea, Kim Jong-un, was unlikely to completely give up its nuclear weapons because North Korea's leaders consider their nuclear stash critical to their survival. Yeah. That goes against Trump's thinking completely. He thinks they're just going to give up well, he, their nuclear weapons because he compliments he, he wrote him a love letter. Yeah. That's why. Also, the intelligence big shot said that the government of Iran was not trying to build a nuclear weapon, contradicting the Trump administration's persistent claims that Iran has been violating the terms of an international agreement that Obama came up with right. during the, his presidency. The CIA director said they are in compliance with a treaty yes. that we no longer honor. Yeah. The Europeans do, but we don't. But now, yeah. Iran, because of what Trump's done in right. imposing sanctions again, at right. least from the United States, Iran is thinking about jettisoning the whole deal. Let's not forget and, another element in the intelligence community's alarm at Trump not adhering or at least acting on their in intelligence data. And that is that he could be an active agent for a foreign power. I think this is the subtext of all of this. Why would a president who obviously manifestly knows yeah. nothing about foreign affairs be so insistent on a point of view that is an outlier? One explanation kind of does explain it, that he's an active agent of a foreign power. I don't know how many members of intelligence would take a bullet for the president these days. <laughs> If this news confuses you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI-FM to ease your spirits? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. You can use all sorts of methods to pay us. Yeah. Including PayPal. PayPal. Yeah. Cash. So do it. I'll take your cash. That's KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCI FM on Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on iTunes. Go to Internet College University, KUCI 88.9 FM. <laughs> Senate Majority Leader. Mitch, the bitch, Mitch McConnell, the <laughs> said that making Election Day a federal holiday is a Democratic power grab. <laughs> can we all just laugh at this? Um, can we just laugh at this that, and not uh, leave it alone? Yeah, yeah, we can. We can laugh at it, but also it reveals so much about the basic Republican point of view on governance. Yeah. Making the Election Day a holiday for people who are always the yeah. main reason Aren't people are supposed to vote isn't yes. that the deal that here? is that yeah. is our that is our compact with our and, government yeah and they're supposed to do things that represent us yes yes <laughs> that's why we have this relationship we vote for them if we like what they're doing or we think it is beneficial well his response is so telling he talked about the lazy federal government workers who will yeah. take advantage of this. Just what America needs, another paid holiday and a bunch of government workers being paid to go out and work on Democratic campaigns. <laughs> no, 
No, why don't you just take advantage of this? Why don't you show... Yeah, well, they don't show who they are because who they are is something that no one would vote for if they knew. Grab. McConnell took to the Senate floor to rail against House Resolution 1. That's one. the anti-corruption proposal House Democrats put forward as their first bill in the majority. They also talk about same-day registration, all kinds of reforms that are desperately needed in our system. It's this part of this proposal, part of the power grab. You can have disagreements about House Resolution 1, but to say that having a federal holiday for people to vote is a power grab is in itself. It's a it's, power grab. It's a power grab. It's a grab yeah. to hold on to the power that you possess now in order to repress the vote and limit wow. the amount of people who can actually vote. The baseline of this is when people vote, Republicans lose. Yes. That's that's, the way it that's works. That's the problem. And that's why Mitch is frightened. <laughs> Speaking of Mitch the bitch, McConnell received $3.5 million in campaign donations from a Russian oligarch-linked firm. What do you think of that is about? Huh? Well, it explains some of the institutional resistance on the part of the Republicans to investigate yeah. what happened with the Russians. Ukrainian-born billionaire Len Blavatnik, who holds dual U.S.-U.K. citizenship, has given Republicans a buttload of money. Yeah, with Senate... Majority Leader Mitch McConnell getting $3.5 million between 2015 and 2017. Blavatnik also contributed $1.5 million to the GOP Senate Leadership Fund PAC. And he's done it in other names, too. That's why we're just discovering this. And again, let's go back to the National Rifle Association laundering yeah. money for some of these guys as yeah. well, which went into Republican campaigns. Blavatnik, yeah. whose family immigrated to the U.S. in the late 1970s, is a longtime business associate of Russian oligarchs Oleg Deripaska and Viktor Vexelberg. Both are buddies with Putin. And he's also given, uh, Blavatnik has given a lot to Marco Rubio, Republican Senator Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Lindsey Graham. What is Lindsey Graham? Just in general, these people are hypocritical turds. But they may be more than that, Nathan. This yeah, story. They if might this, be traitors. They might be traitors. They may be compromised by Putin's oligarchs, as is Donald Trump. Yeah. Is rent in big cities too high, Mike? You it, think? It is profoundly too yeah, high right it's now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It is stupid high. Yeah. The Do you have any is, idea why that might be, Nathan? Yeah, well, it's too damn high because money laundering oligarchs like Blavatnik bought all the real estate to clean their uh, oil money. And they didn't buy it all, but they're buying up big chunks of real estate right. and they're laundering through it. So they're buying it at excessive prices yeah. and they're charging excessive rents. Yes. Oligarchs need to launder a lot of money, Mike. Right. In case you didn't know. Because they got all this... Dirty, dirty money, money yeah. they need to go exactly. through and, and get it coming out of a clean system. So Russian, Iranian, Saudi Arabian fat cats plow their blood money into offshore real estate investment trusts that then clean it by outbidding any actual real estate investors or homeowners. That's right. That's right. So we can't afford it because they're jacking up prices. They don't expect to get one for one. That's the deal with dirty money laundering takes some of the money right. away. That's right. how it gets clean. Exactly. And it's also how economies crash. I was just going to say, yeah. eventually this will lead to a housing collapse. It's possible that money laundering oligarchs will corner the market on big cities. And when the crash comes, the cities empty out. And But by then, the money launderers have sold and moved on. Yeah. By the way, there's two, two factors that, let's go back to Donald Trump. Donald Trump made a lot of money laundering money through Trump Towers yeah. and other investments of his with Russian oligarchs and these other people. That's one part of it, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. The other thing was the Panama Papers. The oh, Panama yeah. Papers. I mean, people forget about the Panama yeah, Papers. Remember, was, that was the huge was a deal. Huge, what happened was it revealed how and who are out there throughout the world are laundering their money. And this was the fourth largest agency or law firm that did it. So these people realized that the jig could be up and they really need to accelerate the process of laundering their money. And hence, that's where Trump comes into this. One of the reasons why he was a viable candidate for president, because people were supporting him with dirty money. So this is all part. They still are. They still are. So this is an ongoing story. Uh, the Massachusetts Attorney General is targeting Purdue Pharma and eight members of the Sackler family who own the company, alleging in a lawsuit that they are personally responsible for deceptively selling OxyContin, hillbilly heroin, OC, Oxy, Ox. The Attorney General, Maura Healy, alleges the Sackler family hired hundreds of workers to carry out their wishes, pushing doctors to get more patients on opioids at higher doses for longer than ever before, all while paying themselves billions of dollars. In her lawsuit, Healy names eight members of the family that own Purdue Pharma, alleging they micromanaged a deceptive sales campaign to create addicts. In the conclusion to the complaint, Healy said the Sackler family used the power at their disposal to engineer an opioid crisis. I think they were blinded by the money. Okay. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Right. They get into such powerful positions. They have so much cash flowing that they're living in a bubble. Right. And everyone else's problems right. is their problem. If they don't know well enough not to take too much of what we're selling, then that's their fault, not ours. Right. And now... It may not be this particular company. It may not be Sackler, but they're now investing in anti-drugs, yeah. yeah. the drugs that are going to help people get off of Oxycontin. And I bet skirts. you they'll have lots of problems with those drugs, too. Yes. Yeah. How about just some how about greenery? Being, how about, yes. Some how, herb. How about being honest? How well, about that? that, too, but I'm just saying, you yeah. know, the, yeah. no, you're right. what's going to help with opioid addiction is cannabis. <laughs> it's available right now. You What's don't need to get a prescription. What's that smell? Oh, yeah. Uh, almost 400,000 people died from opioid overdoses between 1999 and 2017. Half a million people. That's according to the Center for Disease Control. Burke's home state of Massachusetts is one of 36 states now suing Purdue Pharma, accusing the company of downplaying the dangers of OxyContin. <laughs> Oral arguments. In the case against Ajit Pai... We're talking about the FCC here. Yeah. Ajit Pai, he's the head of the FCC, unfortunately. His net neutrality repeal. Yes. The oral arguments for that right now are going on. They're scheduled for this morning, and net neutrality advocates are confident they will be victorious. Tell me why. That's a good deal. Yes, it is. Yeah. I hope so. Is there a reason for our optimism, Nathan? Oh, of course there is. Okay. I hope we're not disappointed, because okay. this is one I'm near, counting on. Near and dear to your heart. I know. Yeah, As it, it is mine. So. The groups that sued the Federal Communication Commission to reverse the repeal argue that Pi offered insufficient legal justification for deregulating the broadband industry. When it eliminated the net neutrality rules, Pi's FCC argued that broadband is not a telecommunications service and that it should be treated instead as a lightly regulated information service. Under U.S. law, telecommunications is defined as the transmission between or among points specified 
by the user of information of the user's choosing without change in the form or content of the information as sent and received, which is pretty much what's going on. We're sending chunks. They're not changed in the process, right. whether it be my email to you right. or whether it be a movie that we're downloading. Right. That's it. No. There's no information being plugged into this at all. It is a tennis court. There's volleys going back and forth. Yes, that's right. And volleys of information, but it's not changing as it's being volleyed. It's not being colorized. It's not being, yeah. it's, they're not adding more information to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Senator Edward Markey is from Massachusetts, a Democrat, mm -hmm. who helped write the Telecommunications Act of 1996, a major update to the Communications Act that contains the definition of telecommunications recently said, both the plain language of the law and congressional intent make it clear that broadband is a telecommunications service. In other words, it should function under net neutrality. It shouldn't be lightly regulated. It should be regulated so everyone has access to it and doesn't get overcharged for the service. All right now, Nathan, I am praying to the God I don't believe in that this will work out the way we want it to. Praying's okay. Okay. I decided. Okay. Praying's okay. What it is is prioritizing things in your life, and hopefully it comes through to other people, okay. what you're prioritizing. You know then what I'm saying? Then consider that done. It should be regulated. Yes. The internet, it's a utility. It's like electricity. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a utility. As the House author of the bill, Markey said, I know firsthand what was intended in 1996, yet Chairman Pai ignored the statute and our intent when the FCC reclassified broadband to an information service and eliminated net neutrality rules. It could be months before the court's three-panel judge issues a decision and either side could appeal. And that's not the only bad news Pi got this week. <laughs> I hope it was a pie in the face that he also yeah. got. When Pi defended his repeal of the open internet order, his most repeated argument was that net neutrality rules stopped big cable from investing in broadband network infrastructure. But in the first year after the repeal of net neutrality, Comcast, Charter, and Verizon actually invested less than in the years before. Yeah, it's the old trickle-down theory yeah, exactly. again. It's just If you give rich people enough money, hey, they're going to make you rich. They're going to enrich your life. No, they're not. <laughs> They're going to buy back their stock in their company. You know, I've and, known some rich people. I'm, I'm sure you have, too. I have too. And I'm talking about really rich people. Really rich That people. owned huge swaths of land in Orange County. Right. You know what yeah. I'm talking about here. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Cheap. Yes. Yes. These people do not want to part with their money. That's right. It's an attic. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it is very yeah. intoxicating. I'm worth how much? Well, I want to be worth more. Does it matter if it's of any benefit to the society I live in? F you. And finally. Prove me wrong. An Indiana boy called 911 for help with his math homework. And he got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dispatcher helped him solve the problem. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.